0: Welcome to Gray Area's Artist Spotlight. My name is Lily Moayeri, and I'm delighted to have legendary techno DJ, producer, and label owner, Thomas Schumacher on the series. Thomas, welcome. When we spoke before, one of the through threads in your music milestones was how clerks and stores, whether it was record stores or music stores or instrument stores, were helpful in guiding your musical taste, your DJing practice, and your making music, can you elaborate on that for us?
1: Well, um, the thing is, back in the days, um, <laughs> gathering information that was that was just such a challenge. You know, it was before internet, before mobile phones. So, in a way, you always were looking for and depending on human connection and others to help you. And um, I think the best place that that symbolizes this so well where the record stores apart from all the social interaction going on there which i love but the fact is you show up there and they're just way too many records to buy or to even have the time to listen to so you you were you needed someone that started to get to know you and understand your taste in music to be like this human filter to do the pre-selection and help you to get through the core of the records that you might be interested in. And I love that. I think that was such a great setup. And obviously you get to know each other more and more. And then also the other thing that I loved about record stores and shopping there were, especially once I moved here to Berlin, you start to see other DJs, colleagues of yours, and you start to you know network and you bring them white labels. And it was just, a, it was kind of a perfect, set up and situation and yeah as far as uh instruments for example goes in the early 90s late 80s that was that was probably the most complicated bit of all you know it it was just uh it at times it seemed impossible to figure things out for me like i remember ending up going to like a what, did, what do you call these places where you buy like magazines international magazines sure. for musicians but they were all focused on guitars and rock music, so it was just you know. So it literally some of the some steps took for years, literally until I. Sometimes you were lucky; you got to know someone who knew someone, and then you ended up being able to call him and set up an appointment. And so slowly, you were only able to gather information and uh, and understand the process better.
0: Yeah, and it was uh, interesting because I think you know when the person in the record store gave you the first record that introduced you to electronic music which was depeche mode's construction time again and then right. that same record store put the first acid house 12 inch in your hand because they're just like if you like Depeche mode that much and went down that road yeah here you are six seven eight years later this is what you're going to want to be listening to and i think that was like perfect timing and like you say they get to know you so they yeah.
1: know and it's a bit, almost like a mentoring going on there, you know. If it's a really great guy working there or girl, you know, and mm-hmm. they they figure out that, for example, I'm a very curious person by nature, so I was always like very open minded, and I think they they realized that, and so yeah, that was almost like a not logical progression for them to, uh, to to show me records and music that was not what I started out with, you know, and say, look, what about this, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense um, by that same token also connected to not getting and not having enough information, you know, based on like Googling or so forth. Also, you are so young and you really didn't have the funds. Um, you don't know what to buy. You don't know how to use it. But you told me that that you feel like that made you better at what you were doing because it was such an uphill challenge to be able mm-hmm. to accomplish things, especially with, with DJing. Because when you realized, okay, I'm making tracks now. I'm going to be a DJ now. I got to buy a DJ setup on top it, of my music making setup.
1: It. I really believe it. Um, it was a blessing in disguise, you know. Because nowadays, whenever I talk to like the the young generation that is out there and you know obviously i'm trying to help them as well as much as i can they are overwhelmed by the sheer amount of information and possibilities and it was the total opposite to when i started up you know and i was forced to make the most out of every synthesizer or drum machine or like for example to go back to the example of the record store if i only had money for three 12 inches i would pick the one that had at least two tracks on it that I can play, not just one. Stuff like that, you know, nowadays people are like, what? You know, but that that was the, I think in a way, as much as it, it felt like a pressure back then, but nowadays I realize it was actually helping me a lot to, to, to really dig deep, you know, and make the most out of everything. And as far as gear goes, for example, to really learn how to program synthesizers and stuff like that, and not just go and play some presets, you know?
0: And also, I remember you telling me the DJ setup you bought wasn't even for DJs. It was just what you could afford. And it took you so long to be able to beat match. So once you actually ended up in a club with a proper setup with techniques, you're like, ah, this is so easy. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> I always wonder back then, because I also remember that DJing in itself, it was not recognized as an art form or a profession. People would just like, looking down on you a little bit, taking pity on you. So I wonder when I went to that store to buy these turntables, if the guy actually really knew what he was doing because he sold them to me as proper DJ turntables. And it took me a while to to kind of understand, there's no way these are DJ turntables. They it's just impossible, you know. So <laughs> but yeah. Um once I had the chance to then work with professional gear, it made it seem so much easier, for sure.
0: Wow. Um, And you've had, well, you have Electric Ballroom, your label now, and -hmm. you've had other labels in the past. Well, another label in the past. I'm not going to try and ruin the German pronunciation. come
1: on. (laughs) (laughs) Spielzeug-Schallplatten.
0: Okay, slower Spielzeug. Schallplatten. Schallplatten. Yes, that okay. is great. I feel good about that. Right. Um, so you've had your own labels, but you've also been signed to a major. You've released stuff on other people's independent labels. What are your different experiences with these different modes of putting your music out?
1: Vastly different, especially mm-hmm. the difference between releasing on small or independent labels compared to the major labels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had There was a period in my life where I gave it a try and, you know, I had a couple of releases on on major labels and it was an interesting experience, but I was also pretty quickly sure that's not the way I want to do things. You know, it's just a, just a completely different mindset. I think at the end of the day, as much as major labels deal with music, it's a lot about money and the music is a means to end, you know, it's content, you know, so, So um, that wasn't really for me. And working with independent labels is just completely different, you know. I mean, still, we try to make a living out of it a little bit, at least. But um, it's much more about artistic vision, you know, and uh, doing things exactly the way you want to and not caring so much about, for example, the market or whatever. And and I found that, for me, I have the ultimate freedom of running my own label. That's just... uh, for me, it's just perfect like that.
0: Yeah, and I think you were telling me one of the drawbacks of having releases come out on other people's independent labels, they let you have your artistic vision. That's not the problem. The problem is the amount of time it takes for your record to actually come out. And by then you're like, oh, I'm not playing that record anymore.
1: <laughs> you know, a- I'm also, like
0: 10 other things.
1: No, I-, I think this is one, for me, that was always something that made... Our industry has seen so exciting that it's so in your face and it's immediate, you know, between finishing a track after testing it for a couple of weeks and it being out there like only a couple of weeks. So that's why I also even like especially with my label, as much as I love to sign more artists, I rather not because the moment I sign more artists again, then we have the situation where, you know, I'm the schedule is full until like, you know, end of the year and and I I don't know. It's just something that is super important for me that I can just get things out quickly. And uh, yeah. so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you were saying that um, in order to have your own label, because people just think, oh, I'll just do my own label and when I'm ready, I'll put something out on it. But you're like, in order for the label to be legit, you have to have like stuff coming out very regularly. Otherwise, yeah. people are not really looking for the label and they're not really taking it seriously. And that makes so much sense to me because even though you're in charge, you can't only put out one thing on it.
1: No, that's it. But it's it's a real like a uh, thin line you have to, you know, for example, say with um, a shop like Beatport, what works best there is to have a lot of releases, actually, ideally every three to four weeks. To me, that is too much. On the other hand, you know, I'd like to have a release on my label every eight to 12 weeks to give those releases also time to develop, you know, and breathe. So. It's, it's a constant, like, you know, um, making up your mind, like, and deciding between what could be commercially the best idea versus what's best for the artist and the label, you know? Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, you've been through so many different waves of techno being popular and unpopular and splintering off into different genres, subgenres, and then now becoming, well, not now, but for a long time now, it's been so, so popular, so cool. Of course, you live in the techno capital of the world. Mm-hmm berlin um but the thing is you've been doing techno from the beginning and you never like well you had like your bit of your electro moment Mm -hmm. um but i don't i never felt like that was something that you're just like that's it i'm not doing techno anymore it's more like you were just like this is what feels right to me right now yeah um and you're very busy and you're very like your profile has grown more and more and more what have been your experiences through these waves of techno (laughs) No, I know that's such a long question. It's like, tell me your whole life story,
1: different experiences in terms of like how can I put it? Well, the first time, for example, I realized that techno was just getting like full on popular, like Love Parade, Berlin, 1 million people attending. It was on the daily news show. You know, even I was like, oh, my God, this is we're legit officially, you know? So and one way that felt great. On the other hand, immediately, you're like, but that, that's very different from a couple of years ago when it was kind of like a real underground thing, you know. And so you got to wrap your head around that. And then came the time where a couple of years later, all of a sudden, people are like techno. Oh, my God. No, come on. Really? You know, so oh you got to learn to live with that and think at the beginning when you're not so experienced, it's kind of a bit um off-putting, it's a, or, like makes you a bit insecure. You know, you start to question maybe yourself, like, am I doing the right thing here? But over the time, you realize this is actually a normal thing. You know, it's like things just—it's—it's it's like all cycling. You know, it comes in cycles, goes in cycles. Uh, but interestingly, yeah, as you said, for a couple of years now, it seems like uh, common sense is techno is cool again. It's here to stay, and um, I'm quite happy about that, to be honest. You know, and the other thing is, we talked about this techno is such a white term, you know, and it's, I always say, it's like this perfect canvas for people to just project things onto it. And I think that's why nowadays, it's just like this techno, yeah, it's cool, but people mean vastly different things.
0: When they say techno, yeah, it's true. And I remember you telling me when you were first very young, and you were trying to start DJing, and you um, went to the club in your hometown of Bremen, and asked the promoter, can you know, can we some Mm. stuff he's like techno no we only do house here absolutely no techno whatsoever and you did your own party until he came knocking on your door saying actually i want you to be a resident here playing techno and that to me is like the biggest sign of and that was still underground it's not like it was popular and overground he came to you because you were doing something that people were interested in i think that was really what was going on it's not so much that all of a sudden he became a techno lover no. I think he was more like a trend spotter.
1: That, yeah. and I think um, he probably also realized that I was just totally believing in it, you know. And that's something I've also realized over the co- over the last couple of years. It's just, uh, I just always followed my heart. Mm-hmm. It was not an intellectual decision, as as much, it was more like, you know, I felt felt so drawn to it. And especially in times when, you know, when it's maybe not the hottest thing and where you can also sometimes see people jumping the bandwagon, you know, or doing something completely else. I felt always like, I, I'm just going to continue to do this. You know, I'm not questioning that in itself, you know, maybe you try explore different roads a little bit, but at the core of myself, I'm a techno DJ and producer and I love it. Yeah.
0: Um, well, it's paid off for you anyway, and I really feel like for those people who just stuck it out, and they're like, "This is what I do, this is what I play." They've just became more and more defined and more and more iconic, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I love that. For people that were let the insecurity of techno's moment of unpopularity take over their own. Beliefs. those are the ones that I feel kind of like love missed out on the boat, the boat that they were on to begin with. And it's just like, well, you threw yourself off the boat. (laughs) You got to stick it out. No, it's true.
1: I mean, there are some extreme examples. I can think of a couple of producers that's been around for as long as I've been. Mm -hmm. And for a number of reasons, they never, ever changed their sound, which meant for years, sometimes I guess for a whole decade, they were extremely unpopular, but they just stuck to it. And all of a sudden the tide turns again you know and all of a sudden i see them play at burkhine i'm like what did you do in the last 10 years you know <laughs> like we kept doing it you know we never gave up it's like wow gotta have nerves of steel to do that though you know it's I think,
0: true. it's absolutely true
1: yeah for me absolutely. as a producer my um i always uh, i'm so curious so i can't just reproduce the same thing you know it's just in me that i'm always looking for something fresh so i'm changing Quite a lot yet i think there's just this typical schumacher way of producing things so people recognize that but um others do it differently and uh like jeff mills great example you know i don't think much has changed in the way jeff produces or djs and it's super iconic you know but i don't think it's been always regarded so highly as it is these days again you know so
0: like you say nerves of steel to weather that out yes <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to get into our speed round of questions. These are just fun questions that are not necessarily music-related so that we can get to know you a little bit outside of this sphere. You ready? Yes. Okay. (laughs) What's your favorite restaurant where you live, and what's your favorite dish there?
1: My favorite restaurant where I live, so here in Berlin, must be Takumi 9, a Japanese restaurant specialized in ramen soups. I'm a huge fan of Japanese cuisine and ramen, especially. And my favorite ramen is the one with a miso base. So ah,
0: okay. um, why does that not surprise me that it's a Japanese restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. You became a little bit of a Japanophile when you were first there. But um the thing is, I've had I've had Asian cuisine in Berlin and it's exceptional. It's so good. I think probably my favorite Asian cuisine in the world is in Berlin.
1: Especially Vietnamese, because traditionally there has always been exchange between Vietnam and East Germany. So Mm -hmm. also Vietnamese people living here and running great restaurants, super authentic. Great
0: restaurants. Yeah. Um, All right. Next one. What is your favorite film or series, TV series or book and
1: why? Oh,
0: You don't have to tell me each one, just you know, whichever you
1: feel. (laughs) You can
0: tell
1: me all three. Let's stick to movies. My 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 favorite director is Martin Scorsese Mm -hmm. and I just watched Gangs of New York again. Daniel Deleu is in it. Fantastic movie. I also like Goodfellas, Casino. Just uh, For me, it's the the perfect art of storytelling. No one does it better than Scorsese and he has such an amazing hand to pick Great actors and actresses. So,
0: yeah. I believe he has a new one coming out this year. I just heard about it really? last week. Yeah. Because I was listening to a podcast and one of the actors that was a guest on the podcast plays the wife of the main character, who I believe okay. is Robert De Niro. And I think, uh, is it Robert De Niro? And then also uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's in it. It's going to be interesting. It's based on a true story. So, she was saying it was an amazing experience. So you got that to look forward to. I mean,
1: what just to the top- that, Yeah. <laughs> because he just said, uh, uh, just the fact that he sticks to the same actors That's is true. super amazing as well, because you can see him mm-hmm. throughout his movies and his work getting older and better and better. It's just like you feel like you're just part of this whole universe of Martin Scorsese. So definitely yeah. looking forward to, to the one that you just spoke about
0: um okay what are the top three things suggested on your instagram search page you know when i i looked at mine when i was like typing that out and i was like uh i hope nobody asks me mine because this is very strange to me (laughs) because i thought groove is in the heart's delight groove is in the heart why i have a lot of madonna and i dislike madonna so i'm confused about that so and the then when you're yeah, and one more thing that i don't understand no 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 yeah. like if you just go to search they suggest a bunch of stuff ah, the
1: suggestions yeah. oh, i see a lot of gear related stuff keyboards i'm following oh, a couple Gear
0: related sure 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 yeah sure.
1: like yeah. You know, those channels mm-hmm. then uh food <laughs> 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 and what else it's interesting now to think about it like what do i see on that page you know we could you, obviously we look at it a lot and yeah. then obviously also a lot of techno related stuff, like people dancing and raving and stuff like that, shuffle dance stuff. <laughs> this is what the uh, algorithm is, I'm interested. But strangely enough, also a lot of cat videos and I'm not a cat type of guy. It's just they keep reappearing in my feed. I'm like, why cats? So.
0: Oh, that's so funny. And also besides the cat thing, because I'm not a cat person either. Um... Besides the cat thing, your sounds are way better than mine. (laughs) Way better. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to look at Madonna. My God. Um, Although she kind of looks like a cat these days. Anyway, moving on. Um, Which clothing designer will we find the most items from in your closet? It can also be a store. It doesn't have to be like a designer necessarily.
1: Well, I'm not big into designer stuff. So Hmm. the first Thing that springs to mind is what you see is a lot of black in my wardrobe <laughs> like probably ninety nine percent i'm really at okay, type yeah. of guy and what you will see a lot is t shirts like for example I love just t shirts with like you know roland like keyboard related stuff or i just bought myself an underground resistant t shirt and like branded shirts but it's all music related i think that's yeah. what you i know that's what you find and uh
0: and yeah. you have a lot of fucking techno, your own brand. <laughs> I, <do.
1: laughs> I have to admit it. And I'm okay. you not
0: know, can, You can plug your own brand right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and
0: those are also black. So
1: I Very have good. them with white fucking techno print, but I also have them now with black on black, which is also pretty cool. So wow. uh,
0: mm-hmm. that's really going in in the deep end. <laughs> um if you weren't doing music what would you be doing for a living mm. you started teaching. so early that i don't know that you ever had a chance to explore anything else but you're saying teaching
1: teaching yeah i'm definitely, teaching what? probably history ah, i was okay. really into history in school and i had great teachers and okay. so uh because i asked that myself a while ago what you actually do if you, you know, had decided to do something else? And to me, it felt like, and I like the idea of also helping people to grow. It's always something that that is close to my heart. So yeah, I guess I would be doing something like that.
0: That's so great. That's so unexpected for me. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for your time, Thomas. It's such a pleasure Likewise, to speak with you.
1: Likewise, Lily.
0: Thank you. Um, once again, I'm Lily Moairi for Gray Area Artist Spotlights. Until next time. Thank <laughs> you.